Michigan 30, Ohio State 24. Music to my ears. Here we go again, Andy. One more time, baby. Three in a row. This is the game. my grief therapy later the floor is yours well in that case reggie first thing i want to say is happy holidays happy holidays and if the floor is mine i would like to take an excerpt from one of my favorite holiday <laughs> traditions retrofit it a little bit for the current uh the current college football climate so without any further ado a piece from how the grinch stole the college football playoff <clears throat> Boohoo to the Ohio, I was grinchingly humming. They're just finding out that no playoffs are coming. They're just tuning in. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open for a minute or two. Then fifth-ranked Buckeyes down in C-Bus will all cry, boo-hoo. That's a noise I grinned I simply must hear. And I pause, and I put a hand to my ear. And I did hear a sound rising throughout Ohio. It started in low, and it started to grow. But this sound wasn't sad. Why? This sound sounded mad. Every Buckeye on the forums, the tall and the small, was bitching without any reason at all. They didn't credit Michigan for winning, they complained. Somehow or other, they complained just the same. And me, the victor with my CFP ready to go, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? They bitched about refs and our touchdown plays. They bitched about McCord and Stallions and Day. I puzzled and puzzled till my puzzler was sore. Then the victor thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Buckeyes, I thought, can't cope anymore. From three beatings they took, and their pride is too sore. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I give you props for that. It was a long, uh, a long late night shift with not a lot of patience, and uh, my nice. creative juices somewhat flowing. Uh, it was painful, painful again. It was. So tell me, is it rank? Give me your your misery index of the last three games. Uh, you know, so here's the thing: as I've, uh, uh, as I have analyzed this game over and over in my head, what if, what if, what if, which is what you always do as a sports fan. It's the what ifs. It's uh, what if. Well, well, we'll get into some of the specific problems, but I actually can deal with this one more easily than the last two. The last two didn't make sense to me. Last year, how did it make sense that all of a sudden we lose by 22 at home in a game when we were supposed to be getting our revenge for our first loss in a decade the year before? And this year makes sense. You know why? Because despite all of the brilliant analysts, you know who nailed this thing exactly right? Las Vegas. Me. Oh, no, you. me. <laughs> what did I say last week? Uh, whoever, you know, you, you had asked the question, which player is going to make the play that determines the outcome? And I said it would be Kyle McCord one way or another. And I said specifically, does he throw two touchdowns or does he throw two picks? Well, he did both. But <laughs> the two picks were more instrumental in the outcome. And 
And, and I also said, if you tell me what the turnover margin is, I will tell you who wins the game. Well, we were minus two and on the road in Ann Arbor against the top five team. That's not going to get it done. So, so this one at least makes sense to me. Makes perfect sense. We came up short because we made the mistakes and Michigan didn't make any. Yeah, easy there, Nostradamus. You did predict Ohio State to win. <laughs> I did. And but I but I told you what what would determine the outcome of the game, which that, is not rocket science. They, no, you know the team. You want to say the team with the most points when the clock runs out? Will win yeah, the game. that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. Something. Let's keep giving you credit. You also properly predicted Ohio State's regular season record for the year at the beginning of the year. I did, and I also correctly predicted Michigan's regular season record <laughs> yep. at the end of the year at the beginning of the Unfortunately, year. Unfortunately, we were both correct. We were both, even correct. though I had the the game wrong. Yeah, you picked the loss to the wrong team, but uh, it uh, on my side, it's it's hard to rank. You know the three greatest moments of your life against each other. It's like which I have <laughs> yeah. three boys. So if you ask me, like, well, what, which child is your favorite? Well, you're like, oh, they're all special in their own way, and certainly they were. You know, in 2021, we did the unthinkable. You know, the Death Star was coming to Ann Arbor. Ohio State was like double digit uh, point favorites against us, and we beat it. And the snow was falling, and the uh, the attitude was electric, and then. We did it, you know, for the first time in 20-some years on Ohio. in a row. 20, yeah, on Ohio State's own. Yeah, first own time since 2020 turf. was last year. And then this year, I it mean, just, it felt. Since 2000. Right. This year felt like everything kind of fell to chalk. Like, Michigan was the better team, slightly. Maybe. And we slightly. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> the, the Michigan played the cleaner game. They made the fewer mistakes. I, ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, get, get right on one of my pet peeves. Let's go on it. The better team lost. That sentence is like nails. I didn't say that. Nails I on a go that far. But I said Michigan was the better team. You said maybe. That the, day. I, I don't know who's the better team. I, I, I know Michigan, <laughs> the last thing they would ever want is to replay Ohio uh, State on a neutral field this year. Oh, man. Every time I get depressed, I'm just going to pop this podcast in and listen <laughs> to it because this is some – we've only started, and this is some heavy, heavy copium coming from a, a reasonable Buckeye. You know, no, somebody I don't think it's copium. If my, Kyle McCord doesn't throw the last touchdown, you don't think Ohio State could have won that game? Oh, I I was Michigan pro- fans weren't sweating I, profusely because they knew they had the better team, my, or did they actually my, think, "Oh my God, Ohio State is going to rip our hearts out of our chest"? Right my here. my smartwatch <laughs> clocked me at one sixty eight on Ohio State's <laughs> no, final really? drive with zero caffeine in my system, <laughs> just watching it. And I mean, we let's we'll get into the play calling in a little bit, but I could just see it happening like god this is notre dame all over again and i will tell you if ohio state people online are really dumping on mccord which you know for performance some of it's fair game but even the respectable podcasters have kind of gone off the rails like attacking his character and how much charisma he has and i saw him on stage at a fundraiser and he was stammering and red in the face yeah he's a freaking kid man like not everybody could be cool as jj mccarthy with his meditating and like and and like smiley face on his hand like i want my quarterback to go out there and throw passes stop trying to stop trying to ascertain whether this person's going to be a good quarterback or not based on their stage presence that made me mad as someone who takes joy in you know watching ohio state lose but going back to my original point if the offensive line 
gave Kyle McCord another half a second to stay clean in the pocket, Marvin Harrison Jr. had paid her to the uh, to the end zone. I'm not sure if you saw like the frame that showed like the empty zone in front of him that yeah, if you could just pass yeah. him a catchable ball, there was a, a solid chance that that was a touchdown throw. Yeah, instead uh, of a game, you know, and that's but that's the difference. Like you said, yeah, Michigan was the better team. Because they won the game and they didn't make the mistakes that Ohio State made. And they were made by some of the players, obviously, on the field. And they were made by Ryan Day, which we'll get into in a bit. But yeah. uh, to, to might as well tackle this point now, though. You're absolutely right. People have lost their minds about Kyle McCord. I have seen, I, you know, I got to say, Ohio State fans, at least the vocal ones, right? I was in the stadium with 105,000 of them for the Penn State game. And most of us are normal cheer for the team but the people who post on message boards are freaking morons uh i do not understand where the world went that uh usually when you've got a a seasoned quarterback coming back you're excited about it like man mccord will be i've told you this before the game mccord will be the best returning quarterback in the big 10 next year he was third team all big 10 this year and the top two are leaving assuming jj mccarthy leaves uh so to, to think that we need to bring in, and I don't, I don't even understand people are like, we should bring in the quarterback from Duke or Texas A&M. Like, were those teams 11-0 before they played a top-five team on the road and came one pass short of beating them the way he beat Notre Dame at the end? It just makes no sense to me at all. Yeah, it makes, it makes zero sense. The, the, the turn on a dime of, of the opinion of Kyle McCord from the, the fan base online was something like I'd never seen before. Both unreasonable, but here we go. Before the game, people were saying, give me McCord over J.J. McCarthy. And that's insane on its face. At least give me, you know, uh, year one starter McCord going into the game over year two starter McCarthy going into the game. That's an insane take. It's an insane take. But those same people are the ones who turned on him, called him McHonda or McFiat or whatever his name is, thinking like, McCord sounds like Honda Honda Accord. McCord. Honda McCord, like, yeah. and they're like, oh, oh, Honda Accord is too reliable, guys. We gotta, we gotta downgrade <laughs> him to something else. I mean, when John O'Corn was Michigan's worst, maybe worst uh, quarterback in recent memory, I just said John O'Corn's not a good quarterback. I didn't go to the well and say, oh yeah, I saw him one time at this fundraiser, and he. You know, he didn't really look like he was going to be able to be a leader of men or, you know, let me give him a funny name. I just said, no, John McCorn's not a good quarterback for John McCorn's not a good uh, quarterback for Michigan. So it was a wild swing. And, you know, I, I read all of them because that's just like that's just music. To my I can't ears even read them. There. It's, yeah. it's just an, it's an insane take. It, it's like if you don't win the Heisman as a true freshman, you suck. Right. It makes no sense. Uh, but, but, uh, McCord is, yeah, he's fairly or unfairly, of course, he's being judged by the recent string of quarterbacks we've had, Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, and C.J. Stroud, which happen to be the three best quarterbacks who have ever played at Ohio State, ever. I would never agree, and then maybe this speaks to my personality, but I would never agree to follow in the footsteps of people who've done it that well before me. Yeah, and that it's inf- tough. That informs my decisions in my career as well as my life. And maybe I miss opportunities for doing that. And maybe McCord is a better, stronger person, although some people would have you believe that he's a he's a red-faced uh, 
non, uh, you know, non-emotional leader. The guy's steady dropping dimes if he can get protection. He has one of the best passer ratings from a clean pocket. That doesn't tell me, oh, we need to get rid of McCord. That tells me we need to get a better offensive line, man. We need a better offensive line. That's pass the, protection's got to get better. CJ Stroud had three NFL linemen in front of him last year. I'm not sure there are three NFL linemen on our O-line now. Period. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless of class, I don't know if three of those guys will end up starting in the NFL. Paris Johnson was a generational, probably the best left tackle we've had since Orlando Pace. Go to the portal and pass on Duke's quarterback, who's had some decent numbers in a somewhat moderate team in the ACC, and get yourself some good linemen. And then yeah. you'll be saying McCord is the greatest thing since sliced bread by this time. This uh, you year. know, it's not like we don't have good line. I mean, you know, Michigan has been known as having a very formidable defensive line. I told you before the game that that was my biggest concern, and they got pressure. They actually kept McCord pretty clean all game. Unfortunately, the one play when you needed it most, uh, you know, it, it broke down. McCord should be the starter going in the next year. To me, it's not even close. Aaron Nolan might be a great prospect. He's not going to come in as a true freshman and supplant McCord as the starter. And the offensive line should have three or four of those guys returning. Should be pretty solid next year. The offense, you know, we'll, we'll save that for our postseason, <laughs> you know, early look at next year. So mm-hmm. I won't get into that now, but... Uh, McCord, yes, his first interception was a really bad read, bad play. And in the end, the difference in the game, as far as, you know, you basically gave them seven points. He's a first year starter. Last year, when JJ was a first year starter, he threw two pick sixes against TCU and cost them the game. He's a first year starter playing the most important game of his so far young career against the best defense that they face in a loud the the loudest environment that they've had to play in all year sorry Notre Dame but you know Michigan used to be kind of a wine and cheese kind crowd atmosphere you know back when I was there but it's definitely moved on and the crowd there looked amped and of so of course they're amped la- yeah. loud stadium on the road best defense Kyle Court did a good job. You know, that first interception is 100% on him. He should have seen Will yeah, Johnson there to bad jump, read. jump the route. It's a bad read. But the second interception, I heard people saying, like, he should have taken the sack. I'm like, with no timeouts, with you yeah. know, the clock ticking, like, maybe you can run up, throw the ball out of the ground and get one more desperation play at the end zone out of that. But that's not the right idea. If he throws the ball away, he's still in the pocket. So that's intentional grounding. They're going to run t- time off the clock. Like, he had to try to make a play. And yeah, if if they didn't get an arm on arm on him right right when he was going back to pass, that might have been a touchdown throw. Might have been. We'll never know. Yeah, you can always <laughs> consider the possibility. Of it. I, oh no, I do over and over well, in my head. Yeah. What if like Ohio State when we got fans. the ball with a minute left? Well, first of all, it looked like Michigan was just going to run the clock out. I was like, I cannot believe our defense is going to let them run eight minutes off the clock and just end the game. And the funny thing is, it would have been a, a three point loss they would have actually michigan wouldn't have covered right right? and and luckily the defense finally you know buckled up and got the ball back with exactly one minute to go and i thought and then you know after those first couple plays and we're on the michigan's third we're 37 yards away from what would have been the best comeback i've seen in ann arbor since 2005 when i was at the game when troy smith you know we were down nine in the fourth quarter and scored with 34 seconds left and won the game 
and we were so close to doing pulling something like that off. And Troy Smith, of course, is a legend. And yeah. McCord could have been well, also. That would have been the difference between McCord basically being yeah. drugged through the mud right now and being like an immediate Ohio State legend. Yeah. It's like it's just so it's so maddening. It's going, painful, but going back to the uh, you're talking about, you know, Michigan had a chance to salt it away, and maybe this was just the recommendation of my my smartwatch. But I think Sharon Moore called a near perfect game but I would have gone for it on fourth and four. And let me tell yeah. you why. So you get a first down, the game's over. Game's over. Game's over. You you don't get, you kick a field goal. Ohio State gets the ball back probably around the same field position yeah. with a touchdown to win it. And if you miss, it, or if you, go, if you go for it and you come up short, then Ohio State gets it, touchdown to win, and a field goal ties. Like, I didn't feel like there was a lot of value in kicking that field goal when, the their opportunity to win the game it can ride on that one play. That's been one of my I wouldn't say pet peeve, but increasingly over the last few years, it drives me nuts. You've got the ball, and fourth and four, it's a little dicier. But you Especially know, you see when the points are fourth and one or fourth and two, you know, if you, do you trust your offense to get a yard? Because if you do, you are guaranteed to win the game. <laughs> and all we see all the time is what makes it thrilling to watch sports and college football. But you always see teams rolling down the field in a minute or a minute and a half or two minutes. So don't give them the ball. Do everything you can to keep the ball, maintain possession. And I wouldn't say that was a bad call. And you're right, Sharon Moore, of course he called a brilliant game because everything they did worked. The trick play worked. Three for three on fourth down. It's one of the reasons why I think Michigan getting busted midseason was the best thing that could have possibly ever happened to All Michigan. All right, Reggie, I'm going to let you have the floor. And then I'm going to mandate a rule at that until the NCAA comes out with any ruling on this ridiculousness that is now becoming the fever dreams of Ohio State fans because they have nothing else to do on Saturday that we don't talk about it again. So, well, th- this point is only that if they let's say they'd gotten caught now this week, like, oh, my God, it turns out they were cheating. Everything, the whole season would have been under question, under scrutiny, uh, at least now, you know, one the the win against Ohio State, it's a clean win. No no debate this year. I think now we know it was worth probably 15 points last year, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the main thing is you learned a couple things that are really important for Michigan. One, let's say it broke this week or next week or right after the season. Maybe, or I guess it would need to be before signing day. But let's say they got busted this week and now Harbaugh is probably gone how would that affect recruiting? Now, Shrone Moore has coached half the season. He's made all the, the key decisions in the key games. He's proven that he's just a good, as good a game day coach as Harbaugh. What do you need him for, basically? So this proves to Michigan that they probably have their next head coach right there on the sideline and that he's actually pretty good at game management. And so you can part ways with Harbaugh, let him leave in disgrace, and it won't affect recruiting because why would recruits not want to come now? Because they see that like actually Moore's pretty good. Michigan's still going to be you know a top five program. So you've you get rid of all the goofiness, all the weird stuff that has come with Harbaugh for nine years. He only lasted five years longer than he ever lasts anywhere else because nobody else can stand him because he was the ultimate Michigan man. So you can get rid of Harbaugh. It turns everything 
to a positive arc. You part ways with them and you don't lose anything. Thank you for your service, Connor Stallions. <laughs> uh, it, I, I'm actually not going to disagree with too much of what you said. I think now if Harbaugh wants to go to the NFL this this season, after this season, I'm going to have a lot less consternation about it. And I would rather him, you know, uh, fish or cut bait. Yeah. It, it, right. Like just it, be done with the yeah, dance if, that if, you've if, done if, every if, year. If he, if he does the dalliances with the NFL again and be like, well, I'm coming back. Like, dude, you're just killing our recruiting because like, I don't know. Players kind of want to know who they're going to be playing for in the future. Yeah. And like, yeah, I'm sure like it's used as negative recruiting. Be like, yo, Harbaugh is going to be in the NFL. Like by the second you step on campus, like, yeah, that would affect my decision if I'm going to play for a certain head coach. So but now you got the guy that might be there for the next 20 years. Yeah. Jerome Moore is a young guy. What job is he going to get? Unless he's got, you know, NFL aspirations. And I get that. But and, what college job is he going to get that's better than Michigan? Well, None. So he, that could be your guy for a long time. And here's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if Harbaugh is sticking around if he doesn't have to come to Sharon with some sort of a guarantee. I'm out in blank years. Right. You're the guy in waiting. Otherwise, we're going to lose Sharon to a good Power 5 yep. team, as we should He's proven his mettle on the biggest stage. He, and this is not Ohio State slander aside, he is a 37-year-old former linebackers coach or uh, former offensive line coach called a better game than Ryan Day. He did. He called a better game than Ryan Day. And I have to say, talking about predictions, that I was wrong last week on one major prediction. I thought... Ryan Day was going to empty the playbook. I thought Ryan yeah. Day was going to come with the trickeration. I thought Ryan Day was going to have tendency-breaking plays. And who did the halfback pass? And who did the the wedge play that we ran up the middle like 15 times this year, and then we dump it off to a tight end for a first down and fourth down? Like, yep. who had the balls to to call the to call the the huge plays? It was it was. Sharon Moore, who had every reason to go inside his shell and say, I'm just going to play conservative. And Ryan Day had every reason to say, I got to leave it all on the field. We have to dump out the playbook. And uh, once again, he didn't. He just said, I have the better players. I have more talent. We're going to beat them with, you know, the way we beat the other teams. And that sounds a little, I don't know, what's the word? Arrogant. So maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I don't know if it was arrogant. I think it's he coaches tight. He's he's I I hate to make this comparison. He's becoming John Cooper. He's the first coach since John Cooper to lose three in a row. And the play that defines the game for me this year, I was genuinely confused when it was fourth and two from Michigan's whatever it was, 32 yard line with 30 some seconds left in the half. And it took me like 10 seconds to catch up. Like, what are they doing? Like, and I'm like, are you kidding me? You're going to wait and run the clock down and use your timeout to kick a 50-some yard field goal to, been- to still be down? You, you have had a, as disastrous a start as you could ever have in the Ohio State-Michigan game. Your quarterback throws a horrible interception that was as close as you can get to a pick six without actually crossing the goal line. For Day to not go for it on fourth down, you had a chance to overcome all that and go into halftime with a lead, and you 
you just decided I'd rather be down one if we can make a really long field goal, which I can't remember last time an Ohio State kicker made a 50-plus yard field goal in that kind of a situation. And, of course, he didn't. It, it, it does defy logic. And for the first, like, five or ten seconds of the clock running, yeah. I was running through my mind. I'm like, oh, man, what has he got up his sleeve? Yeah. Like, he's going to, like, let some time run and then and then call and then spike it and then throw a fade route to Marvin Harrison. I'm like, this is some this is some big brain <laughs> stuff going on right now. I can't wait to see what happens. I'm like, oh, my God, they're lining up to kick a field goal. And then it goes wide, and I'm like, yeah, I saw that coming. And, and then I thought, you're not going to recover from that. But they did. They ended yep. up tying it up in the third quarter. The first time that I thought maybe we could win this game is when we tied it at 17 because our offense did a Michigan from the last two years and decided enough of this and just ran it down Michigan's throats and ran like eight times in a row You know, at the end of the drive and just bullied their way into the end zone. I thought, oh, my gosh, maybe this is it. Our defense just needs to get a stop and let's keep doing more of that. And then, of course, Michigan <laughs> went on a Michigan drive did the same thing. And then when they went up 27-17, I figured game over and is it going to get ugly again like it did last year? And then we score again. And then of course we get the ball back and we have a chance to win it. And so I can live with this year a little more easily. I mean, it sucks to lose three in a row, but this one makes sense. I understand why they lost. Yeah. I I mean, I'm I'm thankful for Ryan cuz I think you can say like, oh, you know, we don't have a mobile quarterback and, you know, we don't have we we don't have the type of personnel to to run little gadget plays and stuff like that. I'm not really buying that. I think it's just a lack of imagination and, you know, a certain amount of courage to uh, to um, to explain why Ohio State called the game that they did. Um, but. I'm going to air much in the tradition of Festivus. I'm going to have one more airing of grievance, <laughs> one more airing of grievance directed 100% at you, Reggie. At me. You did something that I absolutely despised. What was that? You raised the white flag before the game was over. I know. Before and I almost I, never do it that. Was such an right. emo, it's such an emotional hedge. And I get it. I want to do that too sometimes, but like, I feel like if you do that, you cannot claim a win if your team comes <laughs> if down. You actually win. Good job, guys. And and I correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was when Michigan was. It was like four. It was four and four, and Michigan was getting ready. Or or it maybe was their it was last first that. down. It, was, it looked like they were just literally going to run the clock. I and, I thought that that's it. They and yet the defense they got another first down. Your defense. You didn't believe in your defense, Reggie. This is the yeah. best defense of the last three years, and you guys sacked up. And stopped us. And then you got to invite yourself back. In. Oh, all right. We're, we're saying there's a chance. Marvin Harrison Jr., Kyle McCord, chance to be legends. Like, I was so angry at you. I almost texted. I almost broke my text silence to be like, Reggie, that's not fair. And you know it. I know. I, I, I totally agree with you. I'm with you on that. I don't I don't like that <laughs> I when don't people like, do that. I don't like that thing and that I, I did. Almost, I don't know if I've ever done it, but maybe I have. But I almost never do it. I'll just say it that way. <laughs> That seems so determined to me, like, well, Michigan's just going to run the clock. I, I, like, I was in disbelief. I cannot believe that our top five defense is going to let them run the last eight minutes off the clock. When we scored, we had eight minutes. I'm like, well, you know, we're only going to probably have one or two more possessions. Yeah, bare, barely one. And we had a minute. Yeah. We had a minute of game time left. But that was enough time that we could have still gotten the win. So yeah, uh, I was thankful for that. 
it would have been more painful if they just kept the ball. Like I said, it would have been a three-point win, right? In theory, even closer. But it wouldn't have felt that way if Michigan had literally run the last eight minutes off the clock. The fact that we got the ball back and if we had, you know, thrown four incompletions and died on our 25 or whatever, you know, it would have been different. But the fact that we made it to Michigan's 37 and still had over 30 seconds left, like, oh, my God, man. We were <laughs> We, we were there that like I said, like we said last time, it's the hope that kills you. It is the hope that kills you. And you still do have a little hope. But I have to say that that's why going for it on fourth and four would have been so on brand for Michigan. The whole yeah. Joel Klatt myth that Michigan's a python and they just they eat the <laughs> clock and just to like do one run one more play and not even just let the clock expire. Don't even don't even kick a field goal. Don't even run it into the end zone. Just take a victory formation knee. That would have been the most Michigan thing to do. I do think I I bet you and we'll never know, but I bet you if Jim Harbaugh was calling that game, that was the one difference where uh, I think a uh, a seasoned coach who's more willing to let it all out there makes that call where where Sharon Moore as a 37-year-old interim head coach says, I'm going to put it on my defense. Well, you're ahead. So I, you know, I don't think that was a wrong call per se, but yeah, I could see where, you know, if you did it differently, it would have been the most Michigan way. What did I, what have I said on the podcast? That's the thing. When I watch Michigan, I think they don't overwhelm me with like how amazing they are. You just can't get them off the field. They just keep grinding. They go for it on fourth down. So you make three good plays and they, Make it on fourth and one, and I've never seen them stopped. Uh, I think they mentioned during the game they were like 75% on fourth down conversions, which is amazing, but I don't think I've seen any of the 25%. Yeah, and do you know that, that who that makes me most worried to play, to match up against? And Georgia. Uh, well, Georgia, obviously, but I mean, let's say the semifinals. I don't think we're going to get Georgia in the, in the, uh, the semis. Is Washington or Oregon. Yeah. Just a, t- a team with a, a really powerful vertical downfield offense that can score quickly because the bow constrictor doesn't work if you're <laughs> if you're behind by two touchdowns then you gotta then jj's gotta oh no I, I see this playing out bama will beat georgia and florida state wins and and somehow michigan will end up with like playing florida state yes. in the semifinal without yes. their quarterback yes and Keep then, talking to me, Reggie. you know maybe bama or oregon or washington in the championship the last time Michigan won three in a row, 95, 6, and 7. In 97, Ohio State went to the, the higher-ranked Michigan on the road, their greatest team in two generations at that time, and lost by six. And then Michigan went on to uh, win the national championship. What happened this year? Went on the road, top five team, lost by six. Please don't let it end the same way. Here's, <laughs> here's the difference. Here's the difference in everything that you said, and you didn't say it in the second part. This is Ohio State's going to be better. Ohio State's going to be better maybe next year, but definitely in the future with their recruiting classes. So you don't have to worry about the team. This wasn't, this wasn't an all-time Ohio State. It's a great Ohio State team that almost went, you know, perfect in the regular season. But, you know, there were, some, there were still some areas that were lacking that made them not an all-time great Ohio State team. And look, you almost made it all the way. And yeah. so, so all, I mean, the- take, take heart, Ohio State fans of the podcast, like, I'm not going with the the projections from the Morning 5 crew who said that Michigan is retreating to the dark ages forever because we were, we're yeah. going to like a 15-ranked a recruiting class. Listen, man, the transfer portal is going to get going. We're going to develop the heck out of these guys. And next year, I bet we're recruiting in the top five again. Like, it's just, 
that is that is hilarious wish casting from people who just want to return to a bygone era of Ohio State dominance. You guys better just hope there's a 10-year war and we don't keep winning like we're doing. As I step back now and look at Ryan Day, there are some issues to address. Look, I've been as forgiving or 2019, he takes over. They stomp Michigan, win the Big Ten, and had Clemson beat, except for what most of us Ohio State fans consider some bad calls. 2020, Michigan was afraid of them. I'm not saying that because the 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 game that wasn't played, they were afraid of Ohio State going into that season. And uh, everybody thought, you know, Ohio State was going to stomp them regardless. Yeah, even and, Ryan Day, he's, he's yeah, going to hang 100 on them, yeah. and he might have been able to do it that year. And then they do stomp Clemson, and then they, you know, COVID depleted our starters, and we got stomped by Alabama. And then 2021 happens, 2022, now three years in a row, he loses to Michigan. That's not a good thing. He's one in six against top five college football playoff teams. Ryan Day's last four recruiting classes were ranked fifth, second, four, four, five, two, four, four. Michigan's were 10, 13, 9, 17. If you're consistently recruiting in the top five, he's averaged just under fourth in the country in recruiting. Yet you can't consistently beat top five teams. If you're recruiting at that level, you should be a top five team and you should be beating top five teams, let's say, half the time. Yes, we're recruiting well, but we've got holes. We've got gaps. Why is that? Our offensive line recruiting has not been very good the last few years. And I'm sorry, but Parker Fleming, our special teams coach, needs to go. There's been nothing special about Ohio State special teams. So I had a little bit of an issue when Ryan Day wouldn't go for it on fourth and short from about our 45. But I get it. You're going to flip the field, pin Michigan deep, rely on your top five defense, and get the ball back. And then Jesse Mirko shanks a like 34-yard punt. Later in the game, he has like a 33-yard punt. I mean, it was uh, special teams were abysmal and hurt us in this game as that as it has throughout the last couple of years. So Ryan Day's got some executive decisions to make for sure. Should he be fired? Absolutely not. That's so insanely ridiculous. I love that take. I love it because it's so insane on its face that I don't know how anybody can make that argument. You are going to pick a coach who's 40 and 3 <laughs> in, in conference play. In five years. In five yeah, three years. Losses. Who who recruits like gangbusters, who I, I who also has, you know, has inexplicably inexplicably kept Brian Hartline on his staff, despite the fact that every year I pray he takes a head coaching position yeah. somewhere. Um and and you want him fired for who? Urban yeah, Myers for who? not coming back, guys. Even if he did, I I'm uh... he wouldn't. He he knows <laughs> We could debate that, but I don't think that would be a good thing. He knows, I mean, they would build a statue of him in front of the shoe and they might one day. And you can't, you can't, you can't improve on a perfect thing. No. So unless his ego is that insatiable, he's not coming back. So I ask you this, Buckeyes, what is the risk to reward of doing the most dangerous thing you can do to a program, which is a college head coach transition? That is the most dangerous time, that handoff. What is worth it? You are going to find the one or two coaches out there that might give you better performance than Ryan Day. You guys are insane. Do you know how easy it would have been for us to be nine and three this year? I mean, the Notre Dame game, 
was a pretty clutch, unlike I would say unlikely win. I mean, that was a pretty clutch play by McCord. So, so yeah, according to Ohio State fans on message boards, we should fire Ryan Day and bring in the Duke quarterback because next year would I rather go into Austin Stadium or a whiteout with Kyle McCord, who's played at Notre Dame and at Michigan this year and will be a more seasoned guy? Or do I want to bring the Duke quarterback in or the Texas A&M quarterback in that lost every big game they played? And, and uh, you know, it makes no sense. And so it doesn't make any more sense than firing Ryan Day. Give me a break. But... I think his his credit is low. <laughs> like if he loses again next year at home to a Michigan team that should be depleted by NFL departures, then he's that maybe, might be it. Maybe, but then Ohio State still probably goes to the playoff. The change, the whole yeah, dynamic. That, the game matters so much less, and it warms the cockles of my heart to know that the last most meaningful, super meaningful game went Michigan's way. I mean, this is the end of an era. And we talked about how it was such a narrative buster to say, like, because if Michigan lost, it'd be like, look what happens when you don't have your super secret squirrel, Connor Stallions, to, you know, <laughs> to get you. You you lose to a very good Ohio State team with, with five-star talent all over the field. Like, I would have tried to make that argument. It's like, Ohio State's a great team every single year. There's a good chance we're, we're going to lose to them. At any given year, they'd be like, nope, Connor Stallions, it's set in stone, like, you can't win. And now all of that goes away. It's all for naught. And uh, it, like you mentioned, the timing of it probably couldn't have been more perfect. We've got, no, we've got our two it. biggest wins in the uh, in the hopper, you know, without his, uh, without his super spy services. And we're, you know, going into our third straight uh, Big Ten championship and college football playoff after that. Uh, yeah, I, you're right. They, I'm glad it broke when it did. Thank you, Pete Thamel. I I, I no longer <laughs> want to stuff him in a locker. If he was, if 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 his collusion with the PI firm was really on point, they would have waited. They would have waited to see how the season shakes out, and then they would have broke it and been like, "Well, uh, that's that whole narrative." Yeah, it was. Yeah, because you're right. If Ryan Day's brother, then why not know? Why not do use it as disinformation and come up with? You use the fake signals, so Michigan thinks you're going to do something, but you've actually secretly changed them, and then break the story at the end of the year. As a point of clarification, I did not say, <laughs> nor do I think that it's Ryan Day's brother. Well, I know you don't. However, <laughs> I really, really want it to be not because <laughs> it changes. It, it doesn't change the indictment of Michigan at all. But it is just so good for the rivalry. It would be. It good would for be the so good for the rivalry. It still doesn't change the fact that you know Connor Stallions did what he did. But if it was Ryan Day's brother and they were having like some cabal of like, how do we get Michigan? Like that's just so that's so great. And it would just add on to the future thirty for thirty episode that I'm sure that this whole debacle is going to be about. But now it goes from something that I think, like Jay Book said, Ryan Day really had a chance to put a dagger in the heart of the Michigan program with a statement win to really just kind of a, you know, a a, a funny side story to the college football playoff, much like Paul Assassin from last year. And yes, the NCAA will come for their pound of flesh. Let's spin the wheel. Is it going to be bowl ban games revoked? Are we going to lose scholarships? Ha ha ha. Like, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter that much, man. You know, the Michigan wins the natty this year. It won't matter to anybody. I mean, the, 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 Copium uh, sentences write themselves like, oh, they'll be taking that that trophy out of the trophy case in a couple years. I don't think so. I I do. Yes. Probably all those things are going to (laughs) happen. The NCAA, I think, is Michigan is going to get hammered. 
Uh, but it's just great. That's for the future. I'm worried about Ohio State. Ohio State has things they need to fix in their own house before they worry about, you know, how or why Michigan might suffer in the future because they're not suffering now. No, and <laughs> Ohio I think- State is suffering now. Ohio State fans are suffering now. My son told me for the for the first time. I, I get it. Like, I understand what it means to hate Michigan. <laughs> and it's like, uh, yep, he's only 22, so he hasn't seen much loss in his life yeah. to Michigan. But now three years in a row with all the marbles on the line, the plan for everything, all the stakes, three years in a row you lose that game, and that is not good. <laughs> Carson, the world is a harsh, uncaring, <laughs> cold place, and we slowly march our way to the graves. I'm sorry you had to learn this by watching the Michigan-Ohio State <laughs> Yeah, game. it's a painful way. It's a, Hey, football is a metaphor for life. It is. It is a game of inches, just like life. It's a painful loss. So, so Dave's got some decision-making to do, for sure, and better come up with some correct answers. And Michigan, I mean, Michigan's going to have to rebuild from the ground up. I will give it an insane Michigan take since I've been dunking mercilessly on the Ohio State message boards. But here's one from my camp. J.J. McCarthy might come back for one more year. He might. No, no, he no, might. he won't. He is a late first round draft projection now. Uh, he's, maybe. He's, Second, probably. He's not coming back, guys. Let's And, and let's not even start putting hope into that because it's it's such a ridiculous take he's not coming back he got us two out of two out of our three most recent big 10 championships got us into the college football playoff maybe a natty we'll see but even if they fall short even if they fall short in the first game he's not coming back he's there's not going to be some unfinished business people have been comparing him to tebow because he's got a lot of passion and he's kind of weird and you know tebow came back one more time Tebow is projected maybe not to get drafted because the guy has such goofy arm-throwing mechanics. Do not compare J.J. McCarthy's decision to Tim Tebow's. J.J. McCarthy can go and start making millions of dollars. He maybe can make a million on NIL one more year in Michigan. And we all see what can happen with one bad play as what happened to Zach Zinter. You're really going to put your entire career on the line? I fault no man for going to the draft in making a smart financial decision. No, and he yes, he could make millions coming back in NIL, but the, the main reason he's not going to come back, I will tell you, he'd be almost alone next year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if they were coming back and they were kind of reloading at a few positions, but they are going to have uh, a lot of pieces to replace. That's a good that's a good point. What are the chance that he get, he looks a little bit more mortal and it actually yeah. hurts his draft? Is he going to look better next he's year? Gonna, I I don't think JJ he he uh you know, he was the Big 10 quarterback of the year. He played very efficiently. Do I expect him to be CJ Stroud next year in the NFL? No. I think he'll be the uh 5th or 6th quarterback drafted maybe in the first round, but probably second. He's not coming back mostly because they're losing so many guys. Yeah. And maybe his hero coach and, and uh, like, he's not coming back for he's another so, year. He's so high. Yeah, it, I mean, I said he's not coming back, and you go, well, maybe. No, he is not coming back. Oh, no, I said back. that because uh, I read this morning, Marvin Harrison Jr. might come back <laughs> next year. <laughs> Holy cow. What, and I'm what like, tinfoil, what are what, you people? Yeah, what tinfoil hat publication <laughs> yeah. said that? Oh, he could make millions. He could make seven figures next year. Well, at, at, seven. Eight? Really? Must be, must be eight. Of course, he'd make seven. Anyway, 
No, no, no. I read on I read on one of the boards this morning that like, oh, there's a chance they say that Marvin Harrison Jr. is coming back. Like, there is zero chance. You could tell. I think I might have sent you the the little clip of Marvin Harrison Jr. as he's walking out of the yeah, tunnel looking, at Ohio looking Stadium, looking, looking that back. Good, that was a good buy. Look. That was a good that buy. Was a good buy like, like, I can't let me, believe. Let me try to let me try to savor this moment for one last time. Look, and and look, a... the thing about college football. What am I most worried about now that we've already lost our the, one of the players I was most excited about, Justin Scott, a five-star defensive tackle. Those are the kind of guys you need to fill the middle of your defensive line and to, make your defense to my, just to uh, Miami. To my well, it's money. It's an NIL thing. Yeah. But if we lose Jeremiah Smith, so Jeremiah Smith, if you're listening, please disregard all the idiots and morons on Twitter and. I cannot stand fans, so-called fans, that hate tweet toward players after they lose a game. Yeah. Well, I'll, we'll talk about this at, at our season-ending podcast, but I have nothing but gratitude for everybody who has ever donned the scarlet and gray and provided me and my boys endless entertainment and excitement and things to look forward to, and I hope it continues. And and so I, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. I loved watching him. It made me sad to think that I've probably already watched him for the last time because if we're playing a bowl against Louisville, like Olave and and Garrett Wilson did two years ago in the Rose Bowl, he's probably not playing. But that's okay. I'm excited to see our next generation. But Jeremiah Smith, I think, is going to be a beast. And if he he'll fit right in that Marvin Harrison role next year. But if he comes back, maybe he doesn't want to come then. Yeah, that's true. I mean, every every action has a reaction. But uh, uh, Michigan maybe gets Dante Moore. Yeah, they, they wanted him bad before. Well, tra- maybe now they get him because they uh, that's wide open. Who's Michigan's quarterback going to be next year? Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, Chip Kelly's staying at UCLA now, though, and so I, I, I it, it'll be interesting. You know, I would love JJ to stay. It's it's super unreasonable to even think that that's. A possibility and just outright insane to think that Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be number one, number two, number three in the draft. Yeah, is going to is going to stay. Um, but there you have it, Buckeyes. If you want him to stay, open up your checkbooks right now and go to the <laughs> Ohio Foundation or whatever the eighteen seventy Foundation, whatever, or whatever, whatever it gimmicky is. gimmicky name. I mean, Michigan has them too. I'm not talking Ohio. Yeah. Like they all sprang up out of nowhere. And just tell uh, Timmy there's not going to be a Nintendo DS this year, but maybe we're going to have you get to watch Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison Jr. play uh, play 12 more games for us. But, you know, I'm excited for him to move on because I loved watching his dad play. Yep. I mean, his dad was awesome to watch. Junior's got so many more physical talents than his dad did. I'm curious to see what he can do in the NFL, and I hope he ends up with a gold jacket just like his dad had. So I'll be rooting for him to have a, a great career and end up in the Hall of Fame. So you might as well get started on that now. you got to start loading up those stats. Yeah, well, absolutely, and I mean, NFL careers are are painfully short sometimes, and so you gotta yeah. these these are financial decisions. We all make financial decisions. Everyone listening on us makes financial decisions. Don't put it on people to come back for for the love of the game or because they love their university or anything like that. It's a it's a bottom line decision. That's why they're doing it in the first place. Well, Andy, any any last thoughts? I mean, it was a, a obviously a very thoroughly enjoyable win for you. A painful loss for me <laughs> again. I think I'm coping with it better than I did the last two years for some reason. It makes sense. We lost the turnover battle. We made a couple of huge mistakes, and we didn't. We did not have the aggressiveness needed to overcome them. I'm going to overcome 
the mistake by taking a halftime lead and scoring at the end of the half. Nope, I'm going to go for only losing by a little bit. It was a great game to watch, and it was a great game for the 19 million fans. Most of them were probably neutral and just wanted to watch great football. They got a great show, and glad it turned out Michigan's way. And I will be watching all of the uh, the championship games to see who we're going to line up against on on uh, on Saturday. And Reggie's going to have to play the lottery and like get to get his uh, lotto ball combination of uh, suit, you know, uh, uh, Cowboys, Cowboys plus uh, Georgia plus uh, Louisville. Louisville. Yeah, <laughs> like Liberty Bell, another Liberty Bell. If it comes down, <laughs> if it comes down to the Florida State game, which is going to be the last game, how amped are you going to be if those first two scratches? If it goes Liberty Bell, Liberty Bell, and all you need is come up one more Liberty Bell, and you know it's going to come up with a cherry. But like, how amped are you going to be watching that game? I'm not watching that game. Oh come on, Reggie. No, I'm not watching these games Saturday. I am not. I there's nothing more deflating than you spend all day watching football that you need to go a certain way, and they'll probably all go right down to the <laughs> yeah, wire. Gonna, right? Yeah. Like last week, Bama should have lost that game. How do you rush two on fourth and goal from the 31? You rush two. Like, make the guy throw the ball in three seconds. Not sit back there all day and find somebody. But anyway, Bama should have lost. Florida State could have lost. But Florida is so miserable this year that they couldn't beat anybody. Yeah. Um, so apologies to my so nobody took uh, you know nobody took care of business for us last week, but I don't feel that bad about it because Ohio State had their opportunity to take care of business just as they have for three years in a row, and they haven't. So if we get left out of the playoff, like you said, will I be more excited next year? Twelve team playoff. If we end up eleven and one, we're in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I've got my list of of teams I would rather play in the playoffs versus not. I would rather play obviously. Florida State would be a dream matchup because yeah. I don't think they're that good when their quarterback was healthy, and now they're on their backup. I think if they make it in, I think that's definitely the team you want. Texas would be next. I think they're an extremely flawed team if they get in. Uh, Alabama would be after that because I think that Alabama is not nearly as good as all the SEC bag holders are propping them up to be who want two teams in the, the playoffs this year, and it could be you could be looking at the number one, number two teams in the country. Give me a break. Um, after that, it's going to be Washington, then Oregon, then Georgia. And you know who I want to play the least in the college football playoff? Ohio State. Ohio State. Of course. Yep. We, I give, would feel the same me, way. Give me that win. I do, don't give you another chance to come back. Like, no. it, it needs to be over. I agree with you. I think Georgia and then the UW-Oregon winner probably have the best chance to beat Michigan. Michigan obviously isn't unbeatable. They've had three single-digit victories in a row. But So, so you know, all you need is a couple of plays that Georgia's five stars might make that Ohio State's five-star like Sonny Styles. Zach Zentra goes out with an injury. Next play, Blake Corum runs 22 yards for a touchdown, but Sonny Styles was in the hole. That should have been a two-yard game. They put him he put him in the spin cycle, man. Oh, you he, wait you that expect was, that's your... a rookie mistake. That's a rookie yeah. mistake. He, so so Blake last thing we gotta wrap this up, but Blake Corm just does a just a little rightward lean and that's all it took and then he explodes to the left sunny styles momentum's taking him the other way arm goes out spins him around gone that's the stuff that magic's made of man and then he flashes the six five i had yeah. tears welling up in my eyes man that was wild your five star safety's got to make that play in a big game like that it's so a, it's a rookie mistake he'll, a, he'll be better but 
I don't want to disrespect Iowa. We got to get through Iowa first. Iowa, the over-under on Iowa uh, for the first half is 0. 0.5. And 0. 0.5. 0. 0.5 of a point, meaning there's even money that Iowa does not score offense or defense in the first half of the game. I think I think I'd take the under. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, and I think wild. there's a good chance. Yeah, I, we joked about it last week. Well, whoever wins has got to go score 17 points next week and win the Big Ten. I think that's about right. So I will probably figure out a way to get 10 points on the board or or maybe nine points on the board via three safeties <laughs> and, a, <laughs> and a field goal. It's going to be single digits. I'll, I'd be surprised if they end up in the end zone. And uh, But we will find That's out. That's not because, I mean, Michigan has a great defense, right? They are number one in total or they're number one in scoring defense in the country. But it's not because Michigan's scoring defense is so good. There's no way Iowa is going to penetrate it. It's because Iowa has the worst they offense have, in Power 5 football. They have no offense. They, have no, they, they had no offense when they started out. They were... They were taking our players who transferred out to build their starting team, and then they all got injured. They are, oh, another prediction. Another prediction that went right. Michigan plays Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game. Yeah. Called it. I just thought that That's a it good would call. be Kate McNamara and uh, well, you also and called, Eric there. You called Georgia winning it all at the beginning. Oh, my of the year. God. I, I called let's, Bama. Let's so, stop uh, it right there. Let's I stop think... my predictions right there. Let's go with Michigan <laughs> instead. All right. Well, uh, when we find out whether Ohio State's playing Louisville or somebody, I cannot the cannot Ville. even get excited about next week. But we'll we'll see. But yes, predictions for the game: Michigan's going to win. Tomorrow. Oh yeah, Michigan's going to win tomorrow. Prediction is I'm going to have a fun time cooking a big uh, a big pot roast on the grill and uh, sitting outside with the fire, casually watching the game with music playing in the background. Well, we'll podcast again when Michigan is the three time. Big Ten champions, and we'll talk about the Bulls coming up. So until then, go Bucks. Go Blue.